I call this Sunday the Sunday of many names. This is called the second Sunday of Easter, the first Sunday after the Sunday of the Resurrection, Low Sunday, Curate Sunday, Seminarian Sunday, because if a rector has a seminarian or a curate, they always get this sermon to preach, and Doubting Thomas Sunday. Doubting Thomas. It's a good nickname if you only look at two verses of scripture in John's Gospel, John 20, 27, and 28, where Jesus says to Thomas, do not doubt, but believe. And the term you're a doubting Thomas is a shortcut to the point of someone who doesn't easily believe what we are saying. But it is a terrible mischaracterization of Thomas. In John 11, Thomas is willing to die for Jesus, to travel back to a city where they had threatened Jesus with stoning. In John 14, he is wondering and confused, Thomas, for Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also, and you know the way. And Thomas says, uh, I don't know where you're going, and I sure don't know the way. But he wasn't afraid to ask. When Jesus says he was going to prepare a place for you, what he also said in those words was the understanding that that preparation would include suffering. It would include Calvary, the crucifixion, and his glorious resurrection. Thomas says, I don't know the way, and Jesus responds by saying, I'm the way. Poor Thomas, doubting Thomas, not a good nickname. So I hope you'll consider giving him a different one, like Courageous Thomas, or Questioning Thomas, or Curious Thomas, or the Thomas who wasn't afraid to ask for what he didn't understand. I love Thomas. I love that he asked those kinds of questions because I think I was an easy child to raise. My parents, a blessed memory, uh, may say something differently, but they're not here to defend themselves, so I'm going to go with my story. And I wasn't a disobedient child, but I was a questioning child for the simplest things because I really wanted to understand. Like if you, my mom would say, could you please go get me an envelope? I would say, what do you need it for? Now, I wasn't being disrespectful. I just really, really wanted to get her the right envelope. I knew we had seven envelopes. I didn't know which one she wanted. I didn't want her to have to wait. So if she could just tell me what she wanted it for, I could get her the envelope. I think she just wanted an envelope. So Thomas has a special place in my heart because he wasn't the only one who doubted the resurrection. They all did. If we think of last week and Mary, when she goes to the tomb and the stone is rolled away, she goes back to the disciples and she said, they have taken my Lord. She doesn't say Jesus has risen. She says they have taken him. The disciples at the beginning of the passage are locked behind a door, not because their rejoicing was so loud that it was disturbing the neighbors, but because they were fearful. And Jesus came and stood among the disciples and showed them his wounds. A week later, a week later, the door is locked again. It is shut. 
Jesus comes through the door, meets them, and says, Peace be with you. And this time, Thomas is with them. Thomas only requested the same evidence that everybody else had. He needed to see that the Lord, who said he would rise again, indeed had risen, that it wasn't an imposter, but there were the wounds from the crown, from his hands, from his feet, from his side. He just needed the same evidence as everyone else. We rejoice in the resurrection for weeks. I have a Lutheran pastor who refuses to do an Easter egg hunt until this Sunday because she wants to remind her children that Easter isn't just one day, but Easter tide is a long time, 50 days where we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. In that way, she teaches her children that the resurrection is more than the Easter bunny and one thing. She wants her children to know that Jesus will meet them not just one day on Sunday, but over a period of time in a myriad of different ways. Thomas was much more than his doubts. He's brave, he's confused, he's willing to ask for what he needs to understand. This is the Thomas of, of John 20. And, John, and Jesus isn't threatened by our questions. He's not surprised by our need to understand. For Mary, he calls her by name in John. Mary. For the disciples, initially, he walks through a locked door and appears to them and shows them his wounds. A week later, with, uh, with Thomas present, he reappears again. Jesus isn't threatened by our questions. Jesus isn't threatened by our need to know. One of the beauties of the Episcopal tradition and our gift to the wider church body is that we are invited to ask the questions, to seek to know Christ more intimately, and to know that Jesus gives us what we ask for. John 20, 30 closes with, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. Even then, the writer of the gospel knew we might need a little help with our faith. Thanks be to God that we do. Thanks be to God that we have records of the marvelous work of God. Thanks be to God that they saw the wounds and they could positively identify that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the resurrected Savior. And thanks to their record, we can have faith too.